All right, everybody, welcome to BO Boys for Monday, April 25th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, we have a packed, packed show. Oh my! We God, need to so go much. immediately into a plow. All right. So, are we doing a five? A five? I how's I say? Why don't you do a top six plow? That's what I'm requesting today. I'm changing it up. A top six plow. Top six. You got it, my friend. Let's start with the new number one, and you called it the bad guys. Not so bad, huh? Twenty-four million dollars to top the chart. Number two, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, $15.2 million, down only 48%. It lost 449 theaters, and it is at $145.8 million in its third weekend. Number three, dropping from the number one spot, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore made $14 million, down 67%. It added 37 theaters. Ain't going to do much because it is at $67.1 million in its second weekend. Number four, another newbie, The Northman, made $12 million in its first weekend. And number five, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, made $7.1 million in its first weekend. And number six, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, made $5.4 million a, uh, a decrease of only 12%. It actually had been expanding and it lost 87 theaters, but it's at 26.9 in its fifth weekend. And that is your top six. Wow. So I think the big story, we can't hide the lead. The lead is I nailed it. Bad guys, number one, overperforming the tracking. And once again, everyone at home, whether you're in your cars, you're on a bicycle, you're out for a run, you're you, whatever you're doing, let's say it together. Ready, Clayton? The yes. rats, rats need, need their, their cheese. cheese. The rats yeah. need their cheese. It is a theory that I think at this point is no longer a theory. It is settled science. The rats need their cheese. These kids' movies are always going to overperform at the box office. It's so funny because you always see these headlines where it's like kids movies continue to be solid and surprise. And it's like, well, when this pattern starts showing and I, I have to I have to apologize because I'm embarrassed that I didn't go with the core tenant of this podcast. One mm -hmm. of the core tenants, which is the rats neither cheese and go with you on the bad boys. And I feel like th I have to just trust that phrase. It, yeah. it is always right. Yeah. So bad boys. Bad guys. Liked it. Bad, bad boys was a hit oh. right before the pandemic ended. Bad boys for life, of course, January 2020. Bad yes. guys today in April 2022. Also a huge hit. So bad guys big. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 went over fantastic beasts you said it would happen mm -hmm. that's what happened it really wasn't even all that close no and so yeah so that's good for sonic sonic's looking really strong 145.8 in its third weekend and fantastic beasts i mean down 67 i don't think there's more to say about this movie it's pretty much doa yeah I mean, I guess they, uh, my guess is Warner Brothers, you know, we talked about last week after that disastrous opening, how this was probably a dead 
sub-franchise, because, of course, Harry Potter is a, a franchise they'll keep going. Fantastic Beasts is probably a dead sub-franchise. And we talked about how Warner Brothers hadn't ordered a script for part four yet. And, you know, maybe they were waiting to see the second weekend. You know, let, let's see, does it have a hold? And after the second weekend, we're dropped 67%. If you're a screenwriter out there whose agent said, oh, I might get you on Fantastic Beasts 4. I think I think you're, you're the spec script that you, you put out there that is, is going to get you this job. You know what? It ain't happening. You ain't getting that job. No one's writing Fantastic Beasts four. It, it, it's this is done. This is a done franchise. I mean, Clayton, is is there any way Warner Brothers continues this thing after this no, second weekend? And we covered this very extensively in our last episode. So if you want in-depth Fantastic Beasts talk and the issues with the Wizarding World franchise Mm -hmm. moving forward, listen to that episode. But just to sum it up, I think it's donezo. We all know it's donezo. Yeah. So it's going to be a while before we see a Fantastic Beasts or Harry Potter film on the big screen. Yeah. And they'll never announce it. You know, we'll never get... The announcement saying the B.O. boys were right. This is a dead sub-franchise. We're not making another one. They'll never announce it, but we all know. The listeners of this show know that as of today, there will not be a Fantastic Beast 4. It ain't happening. So, d- so are we putting it in the graveyard? Oh, it's in the graveyard. It's out there with Fish Police and, and, and other, other dead franchises. It, it's done. It's done. Six feet under, and then another foot under that just to be safe. So we came here not to celebrate it, but to bury it. Yes, yes. We came here to celebrate the bad guys. Universal, huge hit. I mean, with the bad guys, it's it's just such a testament to the rats and need their cheese because this is not an IP. This is not even seemingly a very intriguing premise. I mean, I'm looking at the poster And there's like a fox with a suit on and there's a shark who looks kind of dopey. And I don't know, one of the, the, there's like maybe something that's a lizard. You really can't even tell what the other animals are. And there's cars. The stars of this movie are Sam Rockwell and, and Craig Robinson and Aquafina. So, you know, it's not like it's, it's uh, Brad Pitt and Denzel or, you know, that this is a, this is a movie that succeeded strictly on being, a cartoon for kids, you know well, that Pat, you buried you buried the second lead. How could you bury the second lead? Well, I was saving this one for just a, a special discussion here. So Mark Marin is the second lead in the Bad Guys. We all know, of course, Mark Marin. He locked the gates in Joker. He was probably the the you know maybe the number four or five on the call sheet in that movie, and he has got. A featured voice. He's he's doing the voice of Lex Luthor in this summer's DC League of Super Fat, uh, Super Pets coming out in July. So I'm throwing this out there, Clayton. One word answer: Is Mark Maron a movie star? No. Okay. No, 100 percent no. And it's it's actually kind of insulting to movie stars to even mention that or ask that question, even in jest, because. He is a voice actor. The movies that he's been in that have been big, sans Joker, and Mm. let's be honest, if you watch Joker, it feels like he got cut out of most of that movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's barely Mm -hmm. in that movie. Mm -hmm. 
and he's a voice he, actor he is, now. He is part of the famous scene in which Joker says, could you do me a favor? Yep. When you bring me up there, could you call me Joker? Could you call me Joker? Yeah. Could yeah, you do me so, a favor? So Mark Maron is in that scene. So you got to, you know, put a little respect on it. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Good, good for good for you, as Christian Bale would say. Mm-hmm. You're doing voices in big movies. That's great. No one wants to see him physically on the screen, though. I, I you know what, I I agree with that, and it makes sense because the main rise in his popularity was through a podcast. So it makes sense. The podcast to cartoon voiceover actor path that feels. Like that, that, that makes total sense. So, well, because the adults, we, these kids movies are now, and they've been for so many years, probably starting with Pixar and even, you know, that golden age of, of Disney animation in the early nineties, maybe having something for the adults. Right, right. You know, because in Aladdin, you had Robin Williams, who adults seemed to like, and he would he was morphing into doing James Cagney or whatever he did. And adults were like, oh, I get that reference. And kids were like, oh, he's goofy. I like him. Right. And so you got to get the adults in. And that voice, that voice from Mm -hmm. WTF is a voice that adults recognize. And they're like, if I'm going to go see this kid's movie, it's kind of cool. If I have a voice that I recognize in this movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so and, I think, and you know what, kids for- might recognize it too because their parents are playing that while they're making dinner or while they're in the know, car, fi- in the car, or they're fixing the lawnmower in the garage, and a kid wanders in and they hear that voice, and then they see the bad guys, and they're like, "Oh, that's the guy who's always asking who your guys are." you know, and apologizing. And, and and so so it makes sense that kids would, you know, if not gravitate to these voices, they would at least recognize them. So Absolutely. good for the bad guys. But I think other than that, the bad guys succeeds because at, at its core, it's cheese for these rats. Mm-hmm. And it might not be Brie, mm-hmm. but it's cheese nonetheless. Yep. All right, so let's talk about our newbies here. Mm-hmm, Number four, mm-hmm. The Northman, which made $12 million, which is at the top of its tracking, which it's great when a movie comes in at the top of its tracking. Unfortunately, it's not great when $12 million is the top of your tracking and you're right. an $80 million movie. Right, right. I mean, with this opening of The Northman, I mean, again, this is kind of along the lines of what we already talked about in the preview of The Northman, where... It felt like an A24 movie. You know, the marketing of this positioned this as not not the way this needed to be, be positioned, which is this is a new gladiator. You know, this is a new... Uh, 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 what, what was the, the, the sword and sandal movie that Brad Pitt made years ago? Troy. You know, mm-hmm. the Northman isn't Troy. The Northman isn't gladiator. But they spent that much to make it you know focus features universal they spent on this movie as if it was gladiator or troy but then they marketed it to make it seem like it was an a24 movie like it was midsummer like it was the witch like it Mm -hmm. was the lighthouse you know yes and and so this is kind of anecdotal because 
I don't want to say that this says more than what it says, but mm-hmm. we were supposed to see this movie last night. Yes. And you even had tickets. I and had tickets, it got to yes. the time to go. And we had a busy day yesterday. So, I mean, there were other elements. Mm-hmm. But if we really wanted to see this film, we would have gone to see this film. Right. And right. instead, we stayed home and we watched the Girls Gone Wild documentary on TNT and then Basic Instinct 2 Risk Addiction. Yes. So th- th- that that just shows you that th- there, there are people went out and see this movie, but... You know, we're in that prime demo for this movie, and the urge just didn't take us over the top to I see mean, this could, film. Could that be, you know, and again, that's anecdotal. That's just the choice that the B.O. boys made yesterday. But can Focus Features and Universal look at that competition as something that did affect the opening weekend box office of The Northman? The fact that the... TNT documentary about Joe Francis and Girls Gone Wild debuted this weekend. It debuted on Saturday night. I had it DVR'd, so when you were here on Sunday uh, all day, that was in my DVR. And that ended up, like you said, being the the competition that won out over us seeing The Northman. You know, mm-hmm. and again, it's anecdotal. It's the choice the Bo Boys made, but. You would have to imagine that choice was being made in a lot of homes this weekend. A lot of guys, specifically, were were choosing between, do I watch the Girls Gone Wild Joe Francis documentary on TNT, or do I go to the movie theaters and see The Northman? I mean, I will say, you know, we, we can't say that there was a cause and effect situation here, but it didn't help. Mm-hmm. It certainly didn't help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And right. so we got an email from Austin, of course, one of B.O. boy Austin, and we he mentioned something that we talked about last episode about the gallon juggers, the 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 water juggers, the mm-hmm. weightlifters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the gym rats. Out, yes, not yeah. coming out for this film mm-hmm. because it was not marketed to them. To them, right. Right. And he is, and you know, he said it in the email. So we we hope it's okay that we disclose this. He's a personal trainer on mm-hmm. the side. Obviously, he's an actor. He's a creative. Mm-hmm. But why not? If you're going to keep in shape for your main business, why not make a little money on the side helping other people? I mean, exactly. Austin's a great dude. He's a smart dude. You know, he knows his bo. Mm-hmm. So good for him. But it's that kind of knowledge that he brings to the game. Listen. He's probably talking to some of his clients. You going to see the Northman? Nah, brah. Right. I'm going to stay home and see the Girls Gone Wild documentary, right? right? Right. So, I mean, that wasn't in the email, but I'm assuming that's how the conversation went. So, yeah, the marketing on this, like we said last time, not great. $12 million is way more than you could expect from this movie. And that says more about the strength of theatrical and people wanting to see movies theatrically than the strength of this actual film right and here's something uh i think someone who i think is a winner out of this to be honest even though this movie underperformed for his budget is the director robert eggers you know he made the witch which was an a24 hit made around 20 million dollars the year it came out he made the lighthouse 
which I do think was a success, made double digits, you know, total when it came out. And making The Northman and making a movie that debuts to $12 million with such a obviously dark tone to it, you know, like we said, this movie wasn't marketed as some kind of big summer feel-good spectacle. The fact that it did make the high end of its tracking, I think, shows that there is an audience now that specifically wants to go see what Robert Eggers is putting out, you know, and whether that means studios should keep giving, you know, should give him another sort of $70 million movie to make another $70 million dark movie. I don't know, because it doesn't seem like the the revenue is going to match the the cost here. But $12 million right now is a really good opening for what this movie ended up being. You oh, know, yeah. It, I mean, you thought it was going to do Green Knight business, which was, what, around right. six or seven. And yep. it did almost twice that. So that's good. Yeah. It shows that amongst those, you know, that crop of recent sort of what you want to say, like elevated horror or or – you know, celebrated India tour directors, this recent class, Eggers is starting to move up to the top of the box office of those of those people. You know, your David Lowry's and I don't know, I guess Safety Brothers would be on the high end now because they had uncut gems, but Eggers op- or Ariaster, you know, did Midsommar. So Eggers having this movie open at 12 million, even though again it costs so much. I still think is a success for him specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in the end, this movie will probably lose money because if it costs 70 to 90 million open to 12, this is probably something that's going to top out under 30. I would bet. Yeah. Or may- maybe it'll, maybe it'll get to 40, but that's about it. Yeah. And, and so uh, can we talk about the other new release, mm-hmm. the, the, yes. the new release that we rushed out to see? Yep. And glad that we did mm-hmm. the unbearable weight of massive talent, which made seven point one million dollars, which is again top of its tracking, but not great. No, it's a thirty million dollar movie, so it'll eventually make its money back. Mm-hmm. But this was a very fun movie. Oh, we loved we, it. Yes, we both loved it. It had some issues with the marketing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the unbearable weight of massive talent is an awful title. Awful title. It's an awful it, title. It is a cute title to put on your spec script to get attention when you send it around town. You know, yes. it's a fun title to have maybe even when you're filming the project as a little joke. It's something funny to have on the clapboard, makes everyone laugh when they see it. And they go around being like, oh, it's funny we're still calling it that. I wonder what they're going to change it to when we actually put it in movie theaters. And, yes, and, this, this, is, this is the script title that gets Cage to do the movie. Yes, yes. But then when it's time to market this movie to mainstream audiences, to the Stacks Dwellers, to the Earth Dogs, to the Plain Billies, you got to change the title to something catchy. And, you know, my suggestion was call this Cage Island. You know, it's an action movie. 
takes place on an island. The whole gimmick is that Nick Cage is playing himself. Call it Cage Island. Something like or that. Or call it Cage Rocks or something, right? Yes. I know that's yes. a little bit, that's a little twee or whatever, but. That's a little twee. That's a little yeah. twee. Or just call it Cage. Yeah. Call it Cage. Nick Cage is Nick Cage in Cage. Mm-hmm. Something now, like we that. Got, we got a great email from John J. Fink, the artistic director of the Buffalo International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And he was able to see this movie at South by Southwest, where most of the buzz for this film came from. Mm-hmm. And he said he enjoyed the movie, but it played to super fans. Mm-hmm. It played to people who were interested in the industry, probably involved in the industry, and got all of the meta humor. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that sort of group, an audience, they are, of course, going to love it. Mm-hmm. This movie played really well on the coast because they're both industry towns. And I think that was the issue with this movie, although it wasn't as meta as it wasn't so meta that it was unwatchable. No, but there I, is element of it's another industry satire. And those movies don't do well with the general public. They don't, but I do think the bigger problem here was the title and the marketing because at its core, this movie was just a action buddy comedy with a very famous movie star in Nick Cage and a fun supporting actor who we all, you know, and Pedro Pascal, who audience would be happy to get to know. He was great. So the movie itself definitely had the in-jokes and definitely had the meta humor. And if you're someone who's a B.O. Boys listener or a Hollywood reporter subscriber or a movie director yourself, yes, you would get another layer of enjoyment. But this very easily could have been marketed to just Joe Lunchpail and uh, Susie Sandwich and you know the 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 people who live in the stacks they would have liked this movie if that title wasn't just such a a giant sneer in their direction yes here's what i'll say though i do mm-hmm. think that this will have good word of mouth yes yes and so and and this movie could have opened to 4 million dollars it could have opened to 3 million dollars it yep. opened to 7 yep yeah I think Which that's again, a testament to Nick Cage and sort of his enduring popularity. Yes, he's had 10 years worth of straight-to-DVD weirdo movies. But you know what? Those movies had their audience. You know, those movies weren't box office failures. They were just movies that were meant to do exactly what they did. And people still know Nick Cage. People still like Nick Cage. Nick Cage showed in this movie he could give you everything that you loved about him 10, 20, 25 years ago. He still got it in every way. Maybe he's not Mm -hmm. super buffed out like he was in Con Air, but still looks great. And I think this movie opening where it did, despite this terrible, terrible title, shows that people like Nick Cage. You know, and this is a Lionsgate release. I think with a better title, this movie could have been more akin to a hitman's bodyguard, you know? Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Now- Uh, I agree it's going to have good word of mouth, and 
you know what? It'll probably end up making 20 to $25 million all in in its theatrical run. And then this is going to be a movie that just plays for the next 10 to 20 years on, and we mentioned it earlier on this show, TNT. TNT, TBS, USA Network, of course, your HBOs and your Showtimes. But this is going to be a staple of weekend, afternoon, cable viewing. It's going to be on all the time. Bill Simmons is going to be covered on the rewatchables. This is going to be a movie that people are watching over and over again the next 10 years. And Lionsgate will make its money back just uh, just in the TNT showings, for sure. Yeah. And so this leads us to a broader topic. Because Mm -hmm. when you look at this top five, Mm -hmm. even when you look at the top 10, Mm -hmm. right now, only one of the movies in the top 10 is currently in theaters and streaming at the same time, and that is the number 10 movie, The Batman. Huh. Everything else is is exclusive to theaters, has not gone to streaming yet. Mm-hmm. All right? Other than, well, you know what? I might, let me just check on The Lost City. The Lost City might be available to rent at this point, but... But that, would, that, that would be like a $20 rental if it is available, yes. which we, we're not even sure it is. But but yes. yeah, if it is, it is like premium uh, 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 at-home viewing. It's PVO. Exactly. And so this exclusivity to the theater, this being released, these movies being released to theaters before they're available anywhere else mm-hmm. is the way to go. And you yes. have been banging this drum from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And- this weekend, Anthony D'Alessandro from Deadline, you mm-hmm. know, ev- must read every weekend. Must every read. Weekend. Yeah. He nailed what you've been saying, what I've been saying. Because, you know, we're not going to get in the net- Netflix situation because it's every, we're not the Streamo Boys, and other podcasts have talked about it in depth. I would recommend, and you recommended this podcast to me, The Town on yes. the Ringer Network. Yes, Matt Bellany. Yeah, he's great, great coverage, and he's he's got a bo boys uh, type attitude. You know, he he he's did very a current. great half. I think it was a half hour episode mm-hmm. about the Netflix situation. Listen to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Anthony D'Alessandro said, "Releasing a movie through a theatrical window system is better off for a piece of IP than not." The brilliance of the window system is that Hollywood created a business formula whereby a consumer buys the same piece of content two or three times. Ain't that smart? Outside of a buzzed binge series on a streamer, the consumer retention and the future revenue of your average movie on an OTT service is quite short. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. want to get this tattooed on my back. Yes. Yes. Right? If it, if it could have fit on your face, I would say put on your face, but it is, it's too long for your face. You got to put it on your back. It, yeah. When it's too long for your face, it's got to go on your back. Mm-hmm. We always say this. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at The Northman, when you look at Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, if those movies would have gone day and date or straight to a streamer, they would have leave the national consciousness immediately. Yep. These movies will now have a long tail on streaming services, on ancillary markets like iTunes, Blu-ray, things like that. And they have the stamp of respectability 
that they were in theaters. Yep. Yep. You know what the Northman would have been if it was a Netflix movie? It would have been, and, and I can't even remember the title of this movie. That shows how, how quickly it faded from the consciousness. It would have been that movie where Chris Pine, I think that was the Chris, where Chris Pine played like a king in medieval times and he showed his, his, his wang his in it. He yeah. showed his schwanz. And that came out on Netflix maybe three or four years ago. And there was a couple of days where people, was, you know, look at uh, Chris Pine. Uh, here, here's his schwanz. Here's a screen grab of his schwanz. And you got two or three days out of that. And now nobody has watched that movie in three years. That movie is never been front and center on a red box or on TNT. It'll never be on Bill Simmons, the rewatchables. No one will ever think of that movie. Meanwhile, the Northman, that movie is going to be all over the place for the next few years. And again, it'll be a big cable movie. Your dad and your granddad and, and your mom, when no one else is in the room, they'll be watching that movie over and over again. Yes. And so just really quick update. Lost City is not available yet. Pre-order. You can pre-order it on iTunes and all Fandango now and all that. Uh, May 10th is when it's coming out. So right. still only available in theaters. And now, it made $4.3 million And listen, we're going to be following Lost City on its journey to maybe hitting 100 you know it's it's mm-hmm. still it's still in reach this movie by my estimate will probably end up getting to 90 million by the end of next weekend you know throughout this week the 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 weekday box office plus next weekend it could hit 90 and then it is really anyone's game so we'll be following the lost city on its search for 100 million dollars domestic and I think the failure of the Fantastic Beast, which is a female skewing mm-hmm. IP, is good for the Lost City because there's not much strictly for not strictly for females, but uh, a female-driven films are are not being represented in the theater at the moment. So the Lost City is a, a great movie to see if you're a older or younger female. Well, and the other movie. To jump in, that's taken advantage of that is everything everywhere all at once is actually a very female led movie that's doing True. really well. It's up to twenty six point nine million after you know five weeks, but only three weeks in wide release. And so that's one of those movies that I think helped eat the lunch of Fantastic Beasts. You know, I think yes. those were maybe going after a lot of the same audiences, and people were choosing everything everywhere. So on that tip of windows and streaming and films being in theaters leading to great long tales Mm -hmm. so cinemacon is i think starting tonight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's where all you know the theater people go in vegas and they have fun and they talk about theatrical and what's Mm -hmm. happening and there's going to be a lot of fascinating stories that come out of this and we're just seeing the tip of the spear right now Mm -hmm. but according to I believe our friends, I don't know if they're our friends, but Samba.tv, mm-hmm. Batman, The Batman, which debuted on April 18th on HBO Max, did had the best f- first week viewership mm-hmm. out of 
all of the day and date titles from last year other than Mortal Kombat. So wow. 4.1 million for the Batman, Mortal Kombat 4.3. So, I mean, listen, there's probably an error here in a few mil. I don't think Samba.tv measures like mobile watches and stuff. So okay. it could be a little bit off. But they're but doing their best. What, and I know the Batman is a bigger movie than the Suicide Squad Dune, Matrix Resurrection, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, and it's, I know it's a bigger movie, but still, the fact that this movie went to theaters, made Baffa Bobo, Mm -hmm. and then has more streaming viewership than movies that went day and date means Mm -hmm. that you need to put these films in the theater. Yes, yes. It shows that not only... Does it having been in the theater doesn't decrease the uh, amount of people who are willing to watch it when it hits streaming? This shows that being in the movie theater makes it more attractive once it gets to streaming. You know, mm-hmm. the, the fact that the Batman has been out in theaters for two months and has made 367 million domestic, that only made it more of an event when it got to HBO as opposed to. It would have been less of an event if they went day and date. It would have just devalued the Batman. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and- that's how you get people. Listen, think of when we were younger and HBO was just starting out. And HBO would be like, next Saturday night, we are premiering Jurassic Park. Right. And Jurassic Park at that point would have been a movie that maybe came out two years before in movie theaters and it was just hitting cable and people would freak out. It was a uh, uh, an event. Saturday night is going to be the night we could watch Jurassic Park on HBO. And the reason that it was such an event is because Jurassic Park was already Jurassic Park. It was already this huge hit in movie theaters. And that's still listen. Windows should not be anywhere near what they used to be in the old days, 90 to 100 days. That's that's crazy. It's too long. You don't want to wait six months for something to get to HBO or a year. But it shows again, you got to make these movies into an event in the movie theater. And then when you put it on your streaming service, it'll be that much more important. It's so interesting that you invoked Jurassic Park because that mm-hmm. was the exact movie I was going to invoke. Yes, of course. But instead of talking about HBO... I was going to talk about broadcast television because I did not have HBO or cable when I was a child. Mm -hmm. But the same sense of excitement, the same must-see TV factor Mm -hmm. of finding out that Jurassic Park, after being out of theaters for probably, what, three years or something, was going to come on broadcast television, was still an event, and it was a thing that I was excited to see. I still remember seeing commercials for Jurassic Park's going to be on broadcast television mm-hmm. and being so excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. So if you've listened to this podcast since its inception through the pandemic, like we said before, we, we've only probably missed one week this whole time. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to see all of the instability, all of the talk about windows, all the talk about day and date, is it going to be forever, blah, blah, blah. And to see now the stabilization of the windows, 
the theatrical windows where it looks like the standard's going to be 45. Mm-hmm. And the theaters aren't super psyched about it, but I think the studios wanted a shorter window. They were able to get it. 45 for big movies, 17 or so for smaller movies, depending. And those are going to be, for the foreseeable future, industry standard. And we're not going to see the day and date, except for a few streamers. Like Peacock is still doing it. They're going to do it with Firestarter. But when you look at Firestarter, that obviously is a film that they don't have high hopes for. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the type of movie that they'll say, let's get something like a little bit in the theater and then let's just let it be available the same day. I still think, and we've said this, make it just a week, if anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Like put it in the theater for a week before it comes on your service. It mm-hmm. needs to have that exclusivity at least for a short, short time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it. And again, all that does is make these properties more valuable when they finally get to those next platforms um Mm -hmm. so yeah cinemacon is going to be interesting you know i I don't know clayton if we're gonna you know if something huge happens we may have to jump on here for bonus coverage because they're again this is why the bo boys need to have a daily drive time radio uh show on your sirius xm or terrestrial radio so you know, uh, CBS Radio, Sirius XM. It's it's time to pony up and make this happen. Uh, but until then, we're still a podcast, so we may have to jump on there and uh, uh, and cover breaking news. Here's something I want to throw out. So, uh, John Fithian, who is the uh, CEO of of uh, NATO, not the one involving countries. This is the North American Theatrical Organization. This is basically the the group that represents movie theaters. Uh, He was giving an interview on Deadline at CinemaCon. And of course, he's representing movie theaters. So that's going to be where he's coming from. But he says it right here too. You know, movie theaters and streaming need to work together. But if you, and this is quote, if you debut a film theatrically and it does well and gets established as a brand, when it hits your streaming service, it drives more eyeballs and business. But if you drop them on a service first, they get lost. People can't find them. There are 10,000 options. What makes the movie is the theatrical release. Okay. And again, this guy is coming from his specific point of view. He works for movie theaters, but he is right. He is right. Something like the Northman and and unbearable weight of massive talent are going to be more important streaming properties in a year or a couple of months, whenever they're on streaming, than whatever straight to streaming movies just dropped last week, and that is undeniable at this point. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the rewatchables test. You are not gonna see, you're not gonna hear about these Netflix streaming movies being covered on the rewatchables. But you know what? You're gonna hear the Northman on that show because people are gonna rewatch that movie. Yes, we've talked about this before where they've talked about on the rewatchables that they want to do Triple Frontier. We're going to do that movie Triple Frontier, which is a great action film that was on Netflix, gosh, mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, I believe. Yes. But the reason we're, they we're haven't got around, they haven't got around to it is because it's not on cable. It's on Netflix. Yep. 
Yep. And so they haven't rewatched it as much as they've rewatched something like Limitless. Right. Right. Limitless, which is popular now because it overperformed and made like $80 million at the theatrical box office. It all comes back to box office. And, and so again, real quick, we're coming from the point of view of we're the BO boys. So you could say our point of view is skewed. I say our point of view is dead on. It's all about the box office. Mm-hmm. So real quick, we got another email, a lot of emails this week. Keep them mm-hmm. coming. Everybody want to be O boys, want to be O girls, want to be O people. people. We got one from Reed Bennett mm-hmm. and he said, I know you're not the stream O boys, but. In June, I'll be able to stream Bay's Ambulance, Blumhouse's Firestarter, and The Northman, assuming it's a 40-day window, for the price of a Peacock subscription. Mm-hmm. That's a good deal. Mm-hmm. He said, I know mm-hmm. I should support theatrical, but if I have time to squeeze in a movie before Doctor Strange, it's going to be massive talent. Right? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing that I'll say to Reed. Number one, that's very true. You will be able to see Ambulance, Firestarter, and probably Northman all on Peacock. And here's what I'd say. We're not saying don't wait for streaming for movies. We know people have limited time. We know people have limited funds. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to see movies, Mm -hmm. right? We see, we try to see everything, and even we can't see everything. Right, right. Even we have to choose between a new movie and the new Girls Gone Wild documentary on TNT. Absolutely. So we feel your pain, Reed. We understand. What I would say to our our listeners and to people in general is choose the films that you want to see in theaters by type of film you'd like to see more of, right? So mm-hmm. if you want to see more of those kind of comedies like Massive Talent, then go to the theater and pony up the money and pay for that ticket because you are supporting that with dough. And that's the only way studios will see this did well, we'll make more. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's that, that's why, I mean, we, that's what you need to do. We're not saying go see every movie just to keep theatrical going. You don't need to do that. Of course but not. If, it's not a charity. It's not a charity. Exactly. It, 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 Anytime someone says, well, I'm going to go see that movie out of principle. No, no, no. No. Enjoy your life. Enjoy what you consume. See movies you want to see. No, no. Movies are not charity, and we're not even uh, advising anyone to give to charity. No, we would never. We would never. Yeah. Give if you want and see a movie if you want. But but yes, the, the, the movies have to get you there. It's on them to get you there. But of course... Be open to going to movies, you know, depending on everyone's yes. health situation, money situation, you know, whether you have to climb a mountain to get to a movie theater, depending on where you live. There's always a lot of factors. But, but what you can't do it. is sit and complain that they don't make movies you want to see in the theaters, but you never go to theaters to see movies. You can't do that because you're not doing anything to help the movies you want to get made get made. Yeah. And I think that's that's the type of thing that's just inherent to, you know, Twitter, people being on Twitter. It's all useless. Obviously, the people who listen to this show, the wannabe O boys, wannabe O girls, wannabe O people. People. Uh, they're not pulling that kind of nonsense. 
you know. So let's talk a little bit about theatrical and specifically mm-hmm. the art house crowd, the older yes. art house crowd. Now, this is something that we were maybe going to talk about last week, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there was just so much new, so many new releases. We only have one new release coming this weekend, the weekend before Doctor Strange, and mm-hmm. I think we can cover it very quickly. So let's talk a little bit about the specialty box office, and especially Angelica CEO Ellen Coder, Cotter? Ellen Cotter. SPC's Tom Bernard. Yeah, Sony Pictures Classic. To, on their plan to woo older art house crowds back in. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at a deadline article from last week. Again, we couldn't get to it then because it's just so packed. Um, but the the uh, thrust of what they were talking about here is getting the older crowd. And sometimes when we say older, obviously older is anyone who's you know basically above 30. But they're really talking about older, older, like people in their 40s, 50s and up trying mm-hmm. to get that crowd back, you know, because that's the crowd that really drives the art house type movies, the movies that Sony Pictures Classics makes, the the movies that are at the Angelica and Angelica type theaters around the country. You know, you mm-hmm. really do need that 40 and up uh, audience to go. And that audience has been the slowest to come back from the pandemic. They are the most... You know, maybe they got the more of the health problems or they're more worried about the possible health problems or, or they're just used to being on their couch and watching stuff on Streamo on their giant TVs because they are the ones who maybe are more likely to be able to afford the home theaters and that type of thing. So that's the crowd that they are trying to win back. So I guess, first of all, Clayton, do you think, is that possible? Is that crowd coming back? Are they are they are they gettable? I think there's always a percentage that will come back. I mm-hmm. think that we're looking at I think everything has become more targeted to younger people mm-hmm. just in general mm-hmm. in culture. I mean, when we were kids, we we did have kids programming, but we had to watch a lot of old sitcoms like Green Acres and and shit like that because there wasn't enough stuff for kids for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's not the case now, you know? And I think that things have just moved more towards children and younger people. So mm-hmm. older people are not being served at the theater as much. And like I said before, if you don't come to the theater, things won't come that you want to see. So it's the catch-22 of the situation. Right, right. So I do in this, think that, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there will be people coming back, though. Well, so in this article, uh, Tom Bernard of Tony Pictures Classic, he talks about how there hasn't been enough of an effort to get that crowd back. He says, I see nothing on a major scale to try and get the older audiences back. in theaters griped. And, you know, that's deadlines warning it. They say that Tom Bernard griped that statement. Um, and then you've got the Angelica. They are unveiling something called a Bring a Friend to the Movies campaign, a new initiative that offers a free guest ticket at Angelica locations for anyone seeing this movie called The Duke. It is a Helen Mirren and Jim Broadbent movie that opened this past Friday. So basically... They're trying to get 
the older crowds to go out there and bring a friend, which Mm -hmm. to me, that makes sense with an older crowd because with the younger crowd, they're going in groups, you know, a younger crowd, there's a, there's almost too many people go in to see a movie together. You know, that's the problem when you're younger is God, there's, there's nine of us. How are Mm -hmm. we getting nine seats? We're going to have to break it up into three different groups that are going to sit in different places. And now is she going to be mad at me because I'm not sitting next to her or is someone's uh, boyfriend not going to be able to sit next? That's the kind of problem that younger crowds have going to the movies. It's too many people with the older crowds. Yeah, that is the problem is that an older person is by themselves. They're lonely. They're have no one to go with and then the day comes to go see a movie like the duke they're just gonna say you know what it's just me by myself i might as well just stay home and feed the cat and watch netflix anyway that's the problem with the older audiences i mean i think here the big issue with this is that a lot of older people don't have friends right 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 and it's just because the older you get, the less there's time for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've had, say you're in your 60s, your kids are out of the house. And the only friends that you had were the parents of other kids. Right, right. And they're all obnoxious. So as soon right. as your kids left the house, you had no reason to continue contact with them. Right, right. So you're you know, not going to go see the Duke with them. No, there's no more PTA meetings, so you're Mm -hmm. not stuck with these people. So, you know, you might have a a partner that you're with. They might not want to go see the Duke. So it would be more, I think, if there was a, I don't want to say a a hookup because it's not a hookup. No, no. But a providing of a friend. I think if Angelica said, we will provide a friend for you. Mm-hmm. Give mm-hmm. us the movies you like. Give us things about you, uh, you know, autobiographical things, nothing too personal, nothing right. that has to do with your – well, it would have to do with your income because that also well, shows it, what kind of movie you like. And, and and also like seating preferences. You know, yes, let us know. Are you, are you someone who likes to sit in the middle? Are you someone who likes to sit near an aisle? Are you a candy person? You know, are you mm-hmm. a get there early – and uh, and watch the trailers. Are you a person who wants to get there early and play the little quiz games that that newbie puts up before the trailer? Mm-hmm. Get that kind of info on these oldsters, and then you match them up. And of course, what kind of movies do you like? You know, are you a Helen Mirren fan? Are you uh, whatever? You know, and you match the oldsters up that way. So, I mean, I think and, this is a yeah. good start giving giving you the ability to give a free ticket to someone that you bring because that might be a way of getting someone to come with you is your you have the ability to to bring them for free but uh, yeah I agree you're right the more important thing is finding these oldsters uh, a friend at all mhm mhm so that that yeah. could be something angelica could look into obviously creating apps aren't easy and that there's a lot of work there. But I think if you could create a, a social circle for these lonely old people, it's a way of getting them to come back to the specialty box office. 
Uh, and I, I so I think yes, it's a good start. They can tweak it, but they're trying, and you have to right. try in order to succeed. Yes. So another thing that um, the Angelica is talking about, and and uh, uh, Ellen Cotter says right here, we are going to have to be more assertive and aggressive. Um, they are going to launch a membership program of rewards, benefits, free screenings. That's always great. I mean, at this point, any any theater chain or even single theaters, they should all have subscription services. You know, I, I live in New York. I'm near a Nighthawk. And if Nighthawk had a subscription service, I'd sign up tomorrow. Every theater should have a subscription service. Um, I think so it'll come. I think it's. I think that there's uh, there's a time that that will come, definitely. Yeah. So the other thing that they mention about this older crowd is, listen, they're still the ones who are going to be most likely to, to still be antsy about COVID, about being in a crowded space, about whether the, the seats are clean and, you know, all that. So Angelica is saying that they're going to have special screenings for those still antsy about COVID where seating will be limited and they would check vaccination cards. So you know what? Why not? Because... The problem with these movies right now is that the theaters are empty anyway for these specialty, older, skewing uh, 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 art house movies. So just slap a, a, a you know a antsy about COVID uh, label on those screenings because they're going to be empty anyway. So you might as well just advertise that they'll be empty and then they'll be less empty because then people who are worried about the theaters, about being in a crowded space, they'll go. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have to change anything because you're just slapping antsy about COVID onto what already was going to be an empty screening. Yeah. So I think that works. And check vaccination cards for for those screenings. If that's what the people want, then give it to them. Exactly. It's it's uh, it, right now. It's a case by case basis. And if that is what makes that group and demo comfortable, then why not cater to it? Yep. Um, and then the last thing I'm seeing here is that uh, Sony Pictures Classic, they're going to help market this bring a friend to the movies campaign and they're going to uh, they're going to advertise it heavily across commercial radio in drive time, cable and local news. Great. Know your audience. Right. They're mm-hmm. listening to the radio. They're watching cable news. They're watching local news. That's where they are. I, I think this all makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, I think that we will see if this does anything. Yeah, yeah. And we'll keep our finger on that pulse. As yeah. weak as it is, we'll keep our finger on that pulse. Yeah. I think I think you just go to the classic rock radio stations, and after they're done playing Stairway and... uh you know, they're, they're, they're whatever is playing on the classic rock stations. You cut in with a commercial advertising this Sunday, we've got a antsy about COVID screening of the Duke. So come on down. It'll be spread out. It'll be, we'll check, we're checking vaccination cards. Say that in the radio commercial, come on down this Sunday. We're checking vaccination cards. Come see the Duke antsy about COVID. We got you covered. Now back mm-hmm. to more, you know, uh, uh, it's a two for Tuesday with the who on Q104. And then squeeze box. 
you can't. Then you just play squeeze box. You can't. Um, all right. So is it time to look ahead to yes, this coming weekend? I feel like we can do this very quickly because the only wide release is a new Liam, Liam Neeson open road actioneer. Feels like it should be called Deja Vu. It's not called Deja Vu. It's called Memory. Mm-hmm. And listen, up front, I'm going to say, Liam, Neesh, Liam Neeson, fuck it, it's mm-hmm. a raw feed. Yeah, Liam Neeson is a great guy. He's a total pro. Yep. The reason why you see a lot of Liam Neeson movies in the theaters is because he's a class act and he's a mm-hmm. guy that people like to work with, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, we, again, email from Austin. In his email, he also mentioned... He's saying it's going to be a three million opening because that's what these open road Liam Neeson movies do. I can't see any reason to say differently mm-hmm. because we're looking at the last few movies that Liam Neeson has had open. And when you look at October 2020, uh, Honest Thief opens to 3.6. Mm-hmm. Then in... January 2021, we had The Marksman open to 3.1 million. Mm-hmm. Now, those are COVID times. Right. Those but are like then, in the thick of it, you know, pre-vaccination COVID times. But here's the big thing. Mm-hmm. February 11th, 2022, mm-hmm. we had Blacklight. Yeah. They're going to need more men. Mm-hmm. And that opened to 3.5. So yeah. we're seeing that there is a consistent level of interest and core group of people who will go see these Liam Neeson films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. mm-hmm. I would say Memory is a film that is going to, like Austin said, open somewhere in the three range. Because mm-hmm. there's no reason to believe it will go higher or lower. Yeah, is... I mean, does it feel like memory, is there any reason to think that memory is in a higher class of Liam Neeson films than the the recent batch, than the no. Honest Thief? Is there, I mean, I'm looking at the director of this movie is Martin Campbell, who is a bit, you know, he's obviously nowhere near his prime, but he is a bigger name director than you usually get with, uh, uh, the the recent batch of Liam Neeson movies. His last movie was The Protege in 2021, the Michael Keaton movie. So I guess, yeah, he's also, he's basically, you know, the, the director, Martin Campbell, he directed Legend of Zorro. He directed Casino Royale. Uh, he directed uh, Golden Eye. So he was a big, you know, Bond director in that time. So he's a, Big director, but I would venture to agree, yeah, he's sort of just fallen down to this level as well. Yeah, The Protégé opened at 2.9 million. That's a movie that was thrown in theaters just to have something in theaters. And yeah, I mean, if anything, this looks like a lower, uh, a step down Mm -hmm. from the previous films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would I would have to agree. So, I mean, are we looking at memory opening 
are we just going to say 3.5? I mean, is that yeah? Why not? I think 3.5 is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. So then, in that case, are you ready to predict top fives? All right. So I'll go first. I mean, the bad guys. I see no reason why it's going to lose the top spot. I think uh, I think Mark Marin is number one again next weekend with the bad guys at number one. Sonic the Hedgehog 2, same thing. I don't see any reason why you were drop lower, so that'll be number two. Here's where it gets interesting. Fantastic Beasts was number three last weekend. I think it's going to drop pretty hard, so I think that we could be looking at the Northman is your number three movie next week. I think that is going to happen. And then by default, Fantastic Beasts will probably be number four. And I think number five, even though I think Unbearable Weight is going to have good word of mouth, I think Unbearable Weight is going to slip down and everything everywhere all at once is going to move to the number five spot. And, I mean, Memory's probably going to finish below, like, Lost City next weekend. You know, um, I think... I don't think it finishes below Lost City, because Lost City made 4.3. Right, but if... if, if La- yeah, it, that'll be close, but I think Memory's going to open lower than... The, the highest Memory could open, I think, is number seven, because it's not going to beat Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And it's not no. going to beat everything everywhere. So my prediction then is, yeah, memory opens at number seven. But okay. yeah, so just to reiterate, my top five is Bad Guys, then Sonic, then Northman, then Fantastic Beasts, and then everything everywhere moves up to number five. All right. So Bad Guys, I think, Slam Doink number one still. Mm-hmm. Sonic, uh, to me, feels like a Slam Doink number two. Mm-hmm. I still think Fantastic Beasts, and I know I'm too high on this movie, but I think it's still going to stay at number three because mm-hmm. I don't see the Northman holding well at all. Yeah, I mean the thing is they 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 only finished two million apart, so mm-hmm. it really is which one do you think has the bigger drop next weekend? Yeah, it's hard because I, yeah, it'll I be mean, close. It'll be close either way. I'm going to go Fantastic Beasts three. Mm-hmm. Northman four and then yeah I think I'm with you I think everything everywhere all at once uh it goes back to number five Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so next weekend is going to be slow in terms of new movies but it's going to be just so much to talk about no matter what and is next Friday not obviously not this coming Friday, but is is the Friday after that? Is that the opening weekend of uh, of Doctor Strange? Oh boy, howdy! It is. Yeah, yeah. So, ne- so next weekend's next week's Bo Boys are going to be gigantic because we're going to be talking predictions for Doctor Strange. So that's going to oh, be a giant yeah. episode. Jeez, Louise! It never stops. Very yeah. excited for this summer movie season to kick off with Doctor Strange. Yes. All right, Clayton. So I think we did it. So everyone email us at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. I mean, the emails we've been getting 
recently have been fantastic. You know, from Reed, from Austin, from uh, uh, John, from from everybody. You know, Danny, of course, all, all of our great emails. We love reading them. So send Mika them from to last the, week. Yeah. So email us the bo boys podcast at gmail.com. Clayton, I think that's all we got to say. That's all we got to say, except for until next time. We'll, we'll smell you at the box. box.